Shabbat Shalom. The Starbucks near our home opens at 5.30 in the morning, and I'm usually there, right when it opens. Cafe barely stirs. In winter, it's still pitch black outside. The baristas move slowly, weighed down by weariness, willfully willing their heavy limbs that plead, put me back to bed. It's the same baristas almost every day. We know each other by now. Well, not really. We hardly exchange a word. Sometimes we just nod. I think I'm more interested in them than they are in me. After all, I fancy myself a student of humanity, and I think they just want to get on with the job. But truthfully, at 5.30 in the morning, I'm willing not to talk also. <laughs> by now, we don't even need to speak. The baristas are experts in serving coffee, and they know my order. It doesn't change from day to day. I get coffee from my wife as well. For those of you, men especially, not yet married or recently married, it's one of the secrets of a long marriage. Get coffee or make coffee for your partner in the morning. Trust me, it will go a long way. I can't even begin to describe how many benefits I've accrued from that one simple gesture that I would do for myself anyway. That's another good piece of marital advice. If you can present to your partner what you would have done for yourself anyway, as if it was for him or her, you're already way ahead of the game. So there I was in the cafe at 5.30 a.m. one morning this month when I overheard one of the baristas say to her companion that she takes the 328 the 328 train, AM. Until she said it, I never connected the dots. If the barista takes the 328 to get to the Starbucks at 5 so they can open the cafe at 5.30 for me, what time does she have to get up? 2.30 AM. Now, I could speak about the cost of living in Manhattan that pushes our entire service industry hours outside of New York because they can't afford to live in the city. I could speak about this, but I won't. I could speak about how easily we take for granted other people in our lives, people who provide services for us and may even help us in our relationships with our significant others and we don't really ever give a passing thought to them. We only think of ourselves and our needs. I could speak about that, but I won't. What I want to focus on today is, look how hard people work. If someone gets up at 2.30 a.m. to take the 328, 
and say works through mid-afternoon and then has another hour and a half commute home and then who knows what additional household responsibilities, how much time left is there for fun, relaxation, enjoyment? And what time do you need to be in bed in order to wake up the next day at 2.30 a.m. so you can hit the 3.28 so that you can get to the Starbucks at 5 and open it for me at 5.30. We work so hard. And I don't mean only those who have a paying job, but whatever our daily responsibilities may be, whether compensated or not, our toil is so time, talent, and temper consuming, and it produces just a little leisure, a small drop or two of the honey of life. The Haftarah portion for the week is about Samson. You remember him? He was a glorious physical specimen, the closest we ever came to a Jewish superman. The Greeks had Hercules, we had Samson. Samson was so strong that he could rip to shreds a lion with his bare hand. The Bible tells us that one day while Samson was out in the field, a full-grown lion came roaring at him. Samson tore the lion to pieces with his bare hand and left the carcass to rot in the field. A year later, he returned to that very spot and noticed that inside the skeleton of the lion was a swarm of bees that had produced honey. Samson concluded, Me'az yatsamatok. Out of the strong came something sweet. It's a classic verse. Out of the challenge, out of the struggle, out of the exertion of life, some honey is ultimately produced. But not a lot of honey. You know those, star those uh, honey bottles at, at Starbucks? Some people, believe it or not, put honey in their coffee or their tea, whatever. You know how many bees work to produce that bottle of honey? How many bees toil for a year to produce the small amount of honey that Samson devoured? We call them busy bees. What discipline, what order, what toil and trial and tribulation these bees go through and human beings as well to produce a few drops of honey in their lifetime. Judaism therefore teaches us to find the sweetness in the work, in the central responsibilities of our lives. It's best if our occupation is our vocation, if our labor is a labor of love, if we yearn to serve, to help, to uphold vital principles, to make life easier for others, to cure, to console, to care, to counsel. If our occupation is our vocation, honey is produced through the toil. 
But even if we find ourselves, whether compensated or not, at home or in the office, even if we find ourselves simply working to sustain our daily existence, even if it's just a job, even then, Judaism values work. Great is labor, say the sages, for Israel was commanded, six days you shall work. One who earns by the efforts of his own hand stands even higher than one who is completely God-fearing, the Talmud teaches. That is, a laborer whose total compensation barely supports her monthly expenses stands higher than a God-fearing believer who presumably doesn't work but studies, reflects, and meditates about God all day. Because Judaism insists all labor has dignity no matter how much honey it produces. Martin Luther King said it so beautifully. No work is insignificant. All labor that uplifts humanity has importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. Even if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, he said, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare composed poetry. Sweep streets so well that the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. This is the sweetness of life. Doing our jobs well. Fulfilling our responsibilities well. A few drops of honey. The reward, really, for being alive. We should not expect to bathe in honey. Too much honey is unhealthy. The sweetest honey is loathsome in its own deliciousness wrote Shakespeare, and in the taste confounds the appetite. Our goal should not to be live lives of ease. There is no such thing. Human beings soon become dissatisfied even with the most delicious desserts. It is in our nature to be dissatisfied and to become easily bored. Too much honey becomes too sweet for our tastes and confounds our appetite, an appetite that should be devoted to progress and improvement and self-improvement, not merely an appetite devoted to sucking the nectar from the flower. There is, of course, nothing wrong with easier lives. If we can avoid taking the 328, we should. Why not? Judaism commanded us to enjoy all of the world's bounty and to suck the drops of honey that lay in the earth's crags. It's just that not a lot of it is produced. And anyway, if we consume too much, we get sick. True success is to labor. Our goal is not to suck honey from the hives all day, but to live in creative tension. Our grasp 
constantly exceeding our reach. In Moby Dick, Melville recalls the delicious death of an Ohio honey hunter who, seeking honey in the crotch of a hollow tree, found such exceeding store of it that leaning too far over, it sucked him in, and so he died embalmed in the tree. Melville asks, how many, think ye, have likewise fallen and sweetly perished there? We must take care not to be embalmed in honey. We need toil lest we perish. We need to be busy, not merely for busyness sake, busybodies, but to be busy for beauty, busy for blessing, busy for bliss, busy being better, busy being bold, busy boosting others, busy buttressing and building. This is what gives meaning to our lives. And in the end, this is what makes us happy, and this is what gives us hope. All nature seems at work. Slugs leave their lair, the bees are stirring, birds on the wing, and winter slumbering in the open air, wearing on his smiling face a dream of spring. And I, the while, the sole unbusy thing, nor honey make, nor pair, nor build, nor sing. Work without hope draws nectar in a sieve and hope without an object cannot live. To draw honey from the crags, to find the sweetness in the toil of life, this is the secret of life. Our hope is to be found in the reason for the toil, in that fundamental purpose to which we devote ourselves. This is what makes us strong, and from this strength, sweetness emerges. To return at the end of day to hearth and home and to take the 3.28 p.m. back again to partners and to friends, to loved ones and children, to see the work of our hands and the purpose of our toil. There is no sweeter reward for mortal beings. This is the honey of life. Starbuck in Moby Dick said it well. Oh, my captain, my captain, away with me. Let us fly these deadly waters. Let us home. Wife and children, too, are Starbucks. Even as thine, sir, are the wife and child of thy loving, longing, paternal old age. Away. Let us away to see old Nantucket. Again, Amen. we turn to page 146 for the Baraku and we rise.